2: That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.
3: Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better, on this episode in the Red Corner. You know when people tell you that taking a hallucinogenic drug will change you forever? Well, it turns out that's actually true, at least in the case of one smug anthropologist who proves that when being handed a scary-looking bowl of weird bubbling potion by an ancient Amazonian tribe, you really should just say no. From 1997, it's the relic. We may have somebody on
2: our hands who makes Jeffrey Dahmer look like a Cub Scout.
0: 33% homo sapien. Party?
2: What are you talking about? Gradual extinction of the human race. Something's wrong.
3: Come on, what's the matter with you? <laughs> While in the blue corner, Paris Hilton can act shocker. Yes, 2005's It's Girl de Jour disappointed movie critics around the world by turning in A serviceable performance in this gory slasher. Consigning a million, the wax figures are more convincing headlines to the bin. From 2005, it is House of Wax. Hello? I don't think
1: anyone's here.
0: Hey, where's that House of Wax? It is wax.
4: Literally. This is weird. Look how detailed this is. Tell me this doesn't look real. You're saying that that's a real
2: person.
3: So what connects these two movies and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the
2: Kraken!
3: Hello Clash Potters, I'm Alex Zane.
5: I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm
3: Chris Tilly. Welcome to this week's show. So we got two movies that I picked this week. Victoria, Christopher, would you like to guess the connection between... These films.
5: Yes. Film is a visual medium. Both of these films talk about a bad smell quite a lot.
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> Follow that smell, said no one,
4: ever.
3: <laughs> it's good. It's not the one. Chris? Is it the hypothalamus? Ooh, uh, I know that plays a huge part in the relic. But...
4: Sure, the relic, the monster, yeah. is punting, eating, hypothalamus. I'm wondering if in the second film, the Siamese twins, when they're split, uh, it sends one of them, both of them, mad. Is it the hypothalamus becoming damaged, that small brain region that does control
3: that side of your personality? Is that the cause of both movies? (laughs) The the short answer is, I don't know. But it's not the connection (laughs) I'm looking for. Victoria.
5: They both end in a fire.
3: Very good. Thank you. Specifically
5: in... A museum! A museum! <laughs> it's Nightmare at the Museum.
3: Oh, that's good. I
5: thought you'd have that.
3: That's good. <laughs> I don't. I have a very, uh, very, very specific connection uh, this week. What links these two movies? Uh, it's actually. When my favourite film doesn't win on the previous week's episode,
5: (laughs) I
4: pick movies
3: in a fit of anger, only to suffer myself as a result of my own pettiness.
5: Yeah, what a week. (laughs) Welcome
3: to this episode.
5: We'll call call this
3: the tantrum episode. (laughs) (laughs) This this episode is a pure, clean example of being hoisted by your own petard. (laughs) That's where we are right now. In all fairness, though, I did think I was going to enjoy these movies. And there is stuff to enjoy here. So this isn't going to be a waste of your time. If you have joined us and have gone, Alex just picked these because he was in a huff. I did, but I've enjoyed them <laughs> in different ways. Um, so who saw what when? Um,
4: I saw uh, The Relic when I was at uni um, with my friends. I used to generally get to pick uh, what we rented from the video store because I was the
3: geek. Oh, wow. does that how you got that title? <laughs> because you, you knew more.
4: Yeah, pretty much. Or I was the one that was more keen to get maybe two videos out rather than one. One week we got. It's the... a lot of pressure, though. I mean, when... I can it... take it. I can take it. <laughs> yeah. uh, one week we got the relic out. Quite enjoyed it, mm. and then the next night we went and I picked Mimic, and we'd had a few beers after that one. We went home, watched it, and it was a lot like the relic. Like we were watching scene after scene, quite similar. And then someone pointed out, "There's only two letters difference between the two films." And so The Mimic and Relic are quite congealed in my brain as to... Remind
3: me, The Mimic is the Guillermo del Toro movie. Yeah,
4: it's sort of his disastrous first Hollywood film about these big creatures in the sewers killing people.
3: I have seen it, and there's one good scene. And by one good scene, I mean there's one memorable scene where you think a human is a human, and then it turns out, the insect creatures disguise themselves as humans on the tube platform and it reveals itself yeah yeah that bit's great
4: yeah but you can see some crossover with some stuff that happens in the relic okay Uh, and so yeah that was my my memory is which one's mimic and which one's relic Um, and House of Wax I've never seen this was the first viewing for you it was yeah That's rare. Is this the first, first viewing we've heard? it's happened a couple of times, but but definitely that was an executive decision in 2003. I was like, (laughs) nah, life's too short to watch
5: this. (laughs) Victoria? I'd never seen The Relic, and my life has not suffered as a result, I would say. (laughs) I had seen House of Wax, but fucking hell, I can't remember why I've seen that film. Unless I just saw the Paris Hilton pollsters so much in that time that I feel like I've seen it.
4: Is it that specific see Paris get killed yeah. marketing yeah, campaign yeah, yeah. that they yeah. did right yeah
3: that did I mean it was a it was a huge hit, so that that angle really worked for them, yeah, the tagline for the movie was on May the sixth, see Paris die that's strong mm. but she she was a big part of
4: that marketing campaign as well she pushed that there's loads of photographs of her posing in front of the posters like.
3: I mean, she knows what she was doing, as we will get on to. I'm with Vicky, though. I have definitely seen House of Wax. I know for a fact that I watched it because we had to review it on my old MTV show. So I sat from start to finish and watched that movie. I couldn't remember a single moment. Not one scene no. watching it again triggered that, oh, it's this bit. Not one. So
4: these I, aren't two of your favourite sort of in a B-movie style films?
3: Or I'll, I'll put was it for, this just I'll put tantrum? it very. I'll, I'll put it very clearly. I wanted to watch the relic again and museums. Yeah, that's it. That's and in hindsight, which is twenty twenty, perhaps House of Wax is less a museumy kind of movie than it should be for this connection to work, but it works enough. I think mm. so.
4: Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Or you could have picked the nineteen fifty three House of Wax, which is all set in a museum.
3: Yeah, but then we'd have a clear winner. Whereas this week, there's <laughs> Jeopardy. <laughs> now, who had what? Uh, I had the relic. Right, Chris, you're up first, then we do it chronologically, take us away. Okay, I want to apologise
4: to someone who sent a Clash comment in, because I wrote my intro before your Clash comment, but we will
3: get up to that a bit later. Here is the intro. Oh, before you do the intro, we always remind people at the very end, after they might have tuned out, to get in touch with us. So hashtag Clash comment if you've got a comment, and we're at ClashPod Mm. on Twitter. So do get in touch.
4: The dictionary definition of relic is an object from the past, especially one that has no modern use. Which is fitting as The Relic, which the filmmakers pitched as Alien meets Jurassic Park, features ideas, characters and plots from the past, which audiences 1997 decided had no modern use.
3: Uh, fairly bleak. Uh, but, like but, but, Don't hide your feelings. Philip. <laughs> feel Shall like... we start the show with the verdict and then
4: just talk about them? I've told you, I'm on the fence this week. I really am. Right. Um, okay, we'll get into the story.
1: According to museum security, you were the last one to
4: leave
3: last night. Did you see or hear anything strange?
0: Well, I thought I heard something as I was leaving,
5: but it could have been anything.
3: Sweeping teams of two. Nobody goes in alone. This place is not going to open
2: until every room is clear. I'll go.
3: Come out, come out wherever you
2: are. Any idea about a weapon? Something big.
3: The board is
0: hosting a gala preview here tomorrow night. It would be a disaster for us if we had to postpone.
4: Not a huge amount of background to uh, The Relic, aside from the fact it's based on a novel. uh, The start of a a best-selling series by a guy called Lincoln Child and a guy called Douglas Preston. And the interesting thing about Lincoln Child is he was the former PR man for the Natural History Museum in New York. Right. So that's obviously where this idea came from. And when they were putting this project together, they originally approached uh, the Natural History Museum in New York, who turned them down turn them away because they thought the film would scare children away from coming to their museum. Oh,
3: right. And also, wasn't it that they thought that the film and the script cast the employees and the management of the museum in such a bad light. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I think they were <laughs> yeah. quite angry. Which makes you wonder what this guy, what vendetta this guy had against his former employers, because he was the PR guy, and he, <laughs> he's really gone for them. Because it's all the museum staff are like, "Well, gonna have our gala. We don't want the police here. Open this bloody museum." Michael Kane's one of them, and uh, and yeah, so he, he he had a he had a something he had a chip on his shoulder about his time there.
4: Uh, A magazine I worked for, the editor kept telling us about a book he'd written about life inside a a film magazine and all the characters and all the horrible things that happened. We were all just saying, don't publish that. No, I don't want to know what you think of us all. (laughs) And thankfully, it's never seen the light of day. Um, But this one is produced by Gail Ann Hurd. Yep, connection to last week's show. Well, a few connections to last week's show. (laughs) Let's follow Alien up with the Relic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And directed by uh, Peter Hyams, uh,
3: who we've already had on the show uh, via End of Days. Big Peter Hyams fan. Honestly, Like you look at Peter Hyams' films from earlier on in his career. You've got 2010, brilliant. You've got Outland, which uh, no one went to see at the time, but it's a great film, Sean Connery. It's like a Western on a space station, which I think we should do at some point. Time Cop, Sudden Death, and then obviously towards the end of his career. I think the rot set in with End of Days, because then there was that movie that I desperately wanted to like called A Sound of Thunder. Sound of Thunder. <laughs>
4: oh, I was so excited about that. Yeah, we I remember at the magazine, we would get early pictures in it. It was a time travel film, and the pictures looked epic, but then it kept getting delayed and delayed. And, I mean, it was unwatchable. Oh, it, it, and I will
3: watch shit, but... <laughs>
4: <Yeah>.
5: <laughs> no, hey, hey.
3: <laughs> As this week testifies. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those where you go, who's the main guy? Edward Burns. Was it Ed Burns? Ed and- Burns. Was it an early Gerard
4: Butler film?
3: Don't know. No. But it's one of those movies where it got pushed back and pushed back yeah. and pushed back, and you're going, oh, well, they really working on these effects. Whatever they were working on, it wasn't the effects. (laughs) (laughs) So is this the last truly great Peter Heighton film?
0: (laughs)
5: What a thing to say, sorry. (laughs) Uh,
4: So as you said, it kicks off somewhere in Brazil, I think, although they don't state it. Um, We've got an anthropologist called Dr. John Whitney who's studying riches and rituals and cultures out there and he's with the indigenous tribe <laughs> and he consumes that drink is it, is it like an ayahuasca kind of ayahuasca
5: but then i thought about it and don't they put the bugs mm, eggs mm, things, fungus fungus, mm. yeah, fungus that looks a lot like an egg yeah into the drink they do they do don't they yeah okay so they I... did it was all done on purpose
3: yeah, yeah, which is the puzzling thing. Which I'm glad you picked up on that, because throughout this show and indeed throughout the movie, it's never clear why the why? tribe wanted to turn him into the Cathoga in the, the one the <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, it's never and set him loose. Yeah, like, I- in, in, is it not because
4: these American museums are coming to study their oh. rituals and cultures, and the, Ameri- the the white man is coming to destroy. Their but home. then,
5: yeah, it depends on him going, like, fucking off back home, doesn't it? What if they're like, oh, we've made a cathoga, but he's really comfy here, <laughs> and so he's going <laughs> to stay and eat our hypothalamuses, muses? my?
3: Hypothalamite.
5: I. Because
3: this is the thing. So it goes into the, the origins, the myth of this beast, and this tribe would create it, then they'd go hide away, mm-hmm. they'd grow it with the leaves and the fungus, then they'd hide, And then it'd run out of leaves and it'd be starving. And the only way it could get the same thing was the human hypothalamus. Mm -hmm. So it'd go off and kill their enemies and then die when all the enemies were dead. And then they'd come back out. That doesn't work for sending it to Chicago. (laughs) No. Unless one of them, the only one who'd ever left the tribe, had gone to Chicago and had a really bad time (laughs) and been charged... Double at the Museum of Chicago
5: for being massive, <laughs> for being over the height restriction. <laughs> they
3: don't have height restrictions at museums. No, it's <laughs> a roller. Co- You're thinking of a roller coaster.
5: I'm thinking of the Big Dipper. That, I do that all the time.
3: <laughs> but it's it's really. I think this is an important point because for a movie that really is there's a monster in a museum and it's killing people. We got to stop it. It's very bloody convoluted. It is. This whole thing about the leaves, at the very start when the leaves are on the dock and he's freaking out about the leaves and he's still human at this point, why does he want the leaves on the boat and what difference would it have made if the leaves had been on that boat that he stows away on?
4: You're right. And and they have to explain what's happening over and over again throughout the film because, you know, I'm making my notes, trying to understand what exactly is happening here. And then they're all over the place throughout the film. And I felt like, should I put them all in one section so we can properly discuss it? And I thought, no, I
3: can't be bothered. <laughs> like, it shouldn't matter. It, should, it shouldn't be that complicated. No, it shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's written by, though, the people behind this. Uh, there's a few writers on it, but the pair that you recognise the names of are um, uh, it's, uh, Amanda Silver and Rick Jaffer. Uh, actually wrote this and uh, they went on to have and are still having rather a lot of success. Oh, really? Yeah, because they did the uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, oh, Rebirth, yeah. Fantastic. Re- 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 uh, Reworking, and then the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, oh, then Jurassic that. World, then War for the Planet of the Apes. I think they've got an exec producer credit on that, actually. Yeah. I don't think they wrote it. But they've just done li- the Disney's live-action Mulan and they've written the James Cameron Avatar sequels. So they're busy.
4: Are they husband and wife? I think they might be husband and wife too. Yeah.
3: Oh, amazing. Well, to to be fair to them, I guess they didn't write, write this. They adapted this. I think that's true. And Um, I think they were, it felt like their names are quite far down the list of writers. So I think they've come in at the 11th hour. I made
5: it as good as it is.
3: Remove some stuff about fungus. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we
4: leave that all behind? (laughs) Um, Because the ship arrives, there doesn't appear to be anyone on board. Apart from a
5: cat. That fucking cat. When that cat jumps (laughs) out, I was like, Peter Hyams. Stop with the cats. Oh yeah, Too much with the end of days cat. What a weird motif to constantly have.
3: It's like John Woo with his pigeons. Yes! And yet it's the least doves, annoying. Sorry, doves, that's London. If John Woo had been born in London, it'd be pigeons.
5: I think a dove is a
4: white pigeon. Oh, can we talk about Ken Livingstone and the pigeons again?
5: Oh, brilliant. <laughs> um,
4: that cat is the least annoying household pet in this film, though, because we meet cop Vincent DeGosta, played by Tom Sizemore. do I get his
5: name wrong. Because that's his whole character, DeAgusta. DeAgusta. DeAgusta? Oh. Don't get my name wrong. That's unfair. I
3: know. We learn very early on. That he has lost his dog. That's, in, that's just cost, what I was saying. A custody battle, and he's superstitious. And these two facts are important. And it's interesting that they've been written because they offer absolutely nothing to this
4: movie. <laughs> uh, it's the opposite in the book. He is not superstitious in the book. They make a big point of it, so they decided to make him superstitious, <laughs> which makes less sense. Like a lot
5: less sense.
3: <laughs> Apparently, the only reason to make him superstitious is so at some point in the movie he's got a lucky bullet, which doesn't go anywhere. And despite having more pockets on his person than any other character in that scene <laughs> the other characters being a dog and Penelope Ann Miller in a, an evening wear. he goes can you look after this it's very important and she has to put it down her brow <laughs> I've written down uh, lucky
4: bullet anecdote equals character development it <laughs> certainly does
5: even Tom Sizemore later on in the film where he has to enact a superstition he looks like oh, fuck's it? don't step over that body it's bad luck like he doesn't look convinced by any of it don't pick up that coin it's bad luck or something
4: but we find uh, a bunch of mutilated bodies in the bow of the ship and there's a floating head did you feel like it was a bit of a, a jaws homage going on there? oh
3: yeah i, I guess so. i feel like
4: as well as this being alien meets jurassic park in a museum i felt like you've also there's also quite a few jaws homages and going on here well
3: i my i wrote down the three movies i thought it was crossed uh, with and it was jaws titanic and die hard Definitely, It definitely gets into disaster movie, yeah, territory, especially with the rich people gala, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can get to it relatively quickly. <laughs> um, can you not skip over Tom Sizemore's character development?
4: No? <laughs> All right, so we've got Tom, uh, cop Tom Sizemore, I'll call him yep. that because I don't want to get his name wrong. And we've got evolutionary biologist, uh, Dr. Margot Green, played by Penelope Ann Miller,
3: mm-hmm. who's likeable enough. She's just a bit bland, isn't she? I honestly, and this is me not uh, having not watched Carlito's Way uh, since I was like about twelve. Mm. So uh, I, when the credits came came up because I knew who Tom Sizemore was. I was mm. like, why is Tom Sizemore got second billing? Who's Penelope Ann Miller? Mm-hmm. And I, obviously, I didn't know from Carlito's Way. But yeah. yeah, she's really good in all the clips I watched from Carlito's Way, mm. and. Okay, in this, <laughs> for some reason, I think Tom Sizemore adapts to this B movie better than she does. Because I think without him in this movie, uh, this movie would fall apart. I think he really he goes all in on the nonsense that is this film.
5: Mm-hmm. Okay,
3: do you disagree? I know I you just... were like he can't sell being superstitious. I no, thought he was great. I thought
5: they were both terrible. That's <laughs> all. I'm not. I don't think she was any better. Like the way she screams, it's just like oh, God, shut up, like. It just, it just wasn't very good. <laughs> I'm Let, sorry. <laughs> let's talk about a
4: couple of the supporting characters. Then, What did you think of uh, Dr. Anne Cuthbert, played by Linda Hunt?
5: Played by Edna from The Incredibles, you mean? <laughs> oh, I got, it, I got it written down. <laughs> I spent so
3: long on that. It's crazy, isn't it? But you yeah. can't
4: get confirmation. No. They've, not, they've not said whether or not it is based on her. It I is. also <laughs> thought Maz Kanata in Force Awakens has something of the Linda Hunt about her.
3: Yeah, I found out that Linda Hunt was... a uh, Oscar winner. Uh, oh, really? Yes, yeah, she won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress, and the only reason I remembered all this was obviously we covered the Oscars on Sky, and they mm. had there was a bit of a Twitter storm about her being acknowledged in a montage in 2018 uh, for winning her Oscar because she was in Yellowface. She basically played oh. an Asian character in a Peter Weir movie. It's a little more
4: complex than that. Um, she played a man. She is. So she, she is she the first. She, she is. She she's is not. The, she's she, the first. Per- she's the first person to win an Academy yeah. Award for playing someone of the opposite sex. Okay. She played a man in in the Year of Living Dangerously. Billy Quan,
3: yeah, a photographer. Yeah, mm. yeah Look, I did my research on this, but uh, but yeah, apparently a lot of people unhappy with her inclusion in that montage. But what are you going to do? It was great, diff- like, in the Incredible. So <laughs> don't okay. say it. Don't you dare say it. <laughs> don't. We've said it too much. It was. Forty.
4: It was thirty-eight years ago. Just
3: say it. It was a different time. a Different time. It was a different time.
4: <laughs> it a different time. Uh, all right, let's moving on from. How about how about um, Penelope Ann Miller's rival, Dr. Greg Lee, who who oh, is going they, after her grants?
5: Going after it was such. I work in grant procurement. And there's such a long chat about grant procurement that even I was like, "Let's move on. Let's I, get this done."
4: I feel like were they was it was it supposed to be funny? Was it supposed to set him up as a villain, or was it trying to make a comment on on commercial and business interests over Babe, science I could and biology? Don't talk about that all day. Don't so- <laughs> please don't. Not after last week's two hour. Our
5: cultural sector, the art sector, the museum sector is constantly under threat. Let's get into this. However, when Penelope Ann Miller wants to cuss Greg Lee she's like "Oh, you're such a gerbil and then that's at the point I fell out with It's like what a rubbish cuss that is
3: yeah because gerbils Cute. famously known for stealing grants from <laughs> other people but also I agree
5: with him he's like it's not your grant bitch back yeah. off he's like "Yeah." To be fair, the,
3: I, the problem really, like the problem really, is that he's not made villainous enough yeah. until the eleventh hour because they have a moment on the stairs outside where he sort mm. of cracks a bad joke. Yeah, uh, but then he has that moment where he's sort of like quite charming with really it, going, what? is that? Was that a bit not funny? Yeah. Uh, never mind." And you sort of grow to like him. But then when he traps her in the wing later on, by going there's yeah. no one in there, just so he can have Yeah.
0: Just
5: from a script chat. point of view, why not have him he's stolen the grant. She needs to go to the gala to win it back, not to convince the rich person to not give it to him. It's just not good.
3: There's too many supporting characters because there's him mm. there's a lot of doctors. There's mm. I got confused with all the doctors' names, because there's him. There's Dr. Frock in the wheelchair. Mm -hmm. There's Dr. Whitney, who's just a monster, who also looks a lot like director Doug Liman, which I found really (laughs) disconcerting for the whole film. Um, So there's a lot of doctors. Then you've got, obviously, Linda Hunt. Then you've got the museum security head. You've got the (laughs) wisecracking medical examiner doing the wacky autopsy.
4: Mm. She, okay, so very quickly... She's fantastic. She's very good. Amazing. She said, she said that the, the, the brain is light, even for a even man. For a man. It's Great line. line.
3: Love that. She's played by Aura Lindley, who was a... a fa- the reason she's so good and delivers those lines so well is because she's a famous sitcom actress. She was in Three's Company. Not my era, not your era. But more famously, she played Phoebe Buffay's grandmother oh in Friends. <laughs> and she has what is one of the greatest lines in the movie when he's brought her seven decapitated bodies... Over the course of a week, and they're looking for the killer, and they think it's one person. And she says, "Don't you hate someone who takes head and never gives it?"
5: I want to hang out with her. The minute she was on, I was like, "Where's she going next?" Because I would
3: like oh, to go no. with her. I might have to change my uh, favorite. Yeah, um, because character. that, but in comparisons, that whole autopsy scene is like, do you know that scene from Jaws? The boat where this isn't a boat. This was no boating accident. <laughs> it's that scene played for laughs. <laughs> So we're then into the cathogo killing people,
4: basically. It starts off with a security guard in a toilet.
3: Yeah. Which any, anything this... about... Have you got any comments on that? Because I've got a fun thing about that. I just... I, there's a lengthy close-up on a cigarette after it happens. It's a reefer, and... you thinkers. <laughs> <laughs> when you were choosing the movies, you you never uh, you never just picked... Uh, I'm dazed and confused. Uh, for example. It's obviously a joint. Okay. Um... But was it, was it trying to send some anti-drug subliminal message? <laughs> oh, okay. This is what I've got. I was like, it's weird. Uh, but it's because the cathoga, he's been killed by eating hallucinogenic leaves or Dr. Whitney's been turned into this. And then the guy ends up dead because he's ingesting leaves that are a drug. So I think you're absolutely mm. on the money. This is like a 1997 Zamo from Grange Hill. There's a great reference for no one. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, a, it's a really good. anti-drugs message. This film has hidden yeah. inside it.
5: Mm. How annoying! <laughs>
3: yeah, which is hilarious when you've got Tom Sizemore in the lead. Yeah,
5: it's a contradiction, isn't
3: yeah. it? Uh, there are a couple more kills. the The
4: police the police shoot a convicted rapist who had an axe in the tunnels because they think he's the beast. Um. There's some kids lost in the museum. We have to follow them around for a bit. That doesn't really go anywhere, does <laughs> but, but, it?
3: But we don't. We don't have to follow them around for any... They come into the museum, start yeah. sneaking around, and then they're found and taken out of the museum. End of their entire story arc. Yes. <laughs> Within 10 minutes. Goes nowhere. Um, and then I'm going
4: to jump forward ahead to the, to the to the big gala. So then, again, I think we have the other jaw sequence where... Uh, the people who know what's happening or have, have kind of figured it out want the gala to be cancelled, mm. but those in authority uh, refuse, a mm. bit like
3: shutting the beach, at Amity. Thank um, you, but but there's a bit where the, there's the whole mayor of Amity oh slash the mayor of Chicago, <laughs> who, <laughs> who I mean, his character are, is written in in one line. Huge fan of his wife's cleavage mm. um, because he yeah. does that monologue where. Yeah. Augusta Tom Sizemore, he wants to close the museum and the mayor wants it open and he starts the conversation with have you seen my wife's cleavage? He does uh, this,
5: He's more like, hey kid, have you, it's really <laughs> weird he's like, have you
3: seen my wife's cleavage? Everyone's seen my wife's cleavage yeah, You're one of the few men in Chicago <laughs> who hasn't It's been in all the papers That cleavage helped get me elected Jesus, My wife's <laughs> cleavage will be very disappointed if the gala is cancelled We don't want to disappoint the cleavage Yeah as the old adage goes, if your wife's got it, you should flaunt it. <laughs> Um, so an
4: attack happens during the gala this is when it turns into a disaster movie because half the people become locked into the museum and I quite enjoyed watching them panic and and and
5: kill each other basically kill exactly. each other
4: yeah. it, it, it gets extreme it gets really, really fast doesn't it like
5: the bit where there's a massive steel door coming down and someone tries to stop it with a wooden chair and I was like what that's not going to work is it and then that woman gets squashed against the revolving door and spits up her lung that's
3: good <laughs> (laughs) I like that bit where the blood goes.
5: Yeah, just uh, so obviously a little balloon of blood. Like
4: (laughs) you've got some very committed stunt people.
5: Yeah, in that scene, I thought down those
4: down those stone steps
5: of the museum
3: as well. I mean, those look like properly dangerous stunts.
5: Yeah,
3: I hope they were being paid enough. But that's where it becomes like the Titanic. You've got the the watertight doors come down. But why a museum <laughs> has them when there's a fire inside
5: <laughs> is... That's surely <laughs> illegal. <laughs> a
2: bit a bit b- bewildering. You know. And
5: they're so slow. It's like, oh, it's to stop burglars. But you, you burglar would be like, I've got 15 minutes. <laughs> it's not a
3: problem. Because yeah, half of them get out. Yeah. Like, so it wouldn't stop bur- a committed burglar. We'll be halfway across Chicago by the time that door came down. It reminded me a little of Jaws 3 as well when they're in the underwater kingdom and the doors come down and they get trapped in the tunnel. I haven't watched that since it's
4: come out, but I would love to discuss that (laughs) somewhere down the line. (laughs) I would love to revisit that one. Um, But... In these scenes, we get a really good look at uh, the Cthogo as well. How did you feel about the appearance of that creature? I just
5: find it difficult to concentrate on it because I couldn't get its... And you need a face or something to look Mm. at and I couldn't figure out where its face was. So I wasn't that scared of it because I just couldn't uh, find a focal point. It's Stan Winston,
3: isn't it? Yeah, Stan it is. Winston, and it looks a little bit like he had some leftover props <laughs> from the Predator. And... I was waiting for you
4: to say that. Yeah, okay. Uh, I went. There's, there's an interesting essay on Stan Winston's own official website about the creature design. They don't mention the Predator face there, but this is what they claim: uh, the final design had a spider-like head and a 15-foot-long body that was an amalgam of a lion, an alligator, and a horse, detailed with reptilian scales and tufts of hair down the spine,
3: which I think made it look a little bit ridiculous.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm with Vicky. I, Apart from the pincers, I didn't really get a good look at it. I like it as a monster. I like
5: the noise it makes. I the... like that wheezy. Yeah, that's scary.
3: <laughs> yeah, it is pretty scary. And it does give you the idea, because the whole thing about the Cthulhu is it's constantly dying throughout this movie unless it eats a hypothalamus. And so that wheezing makes it feel like it like it's it's hungry mm. and if it doesn't it's a necessity that it eats it's not eating for fun mm-hmm. it's eating to survive
4: i thought the interesting angle they took is obviously we we discover at the end towards the end of the film that that, that was a man the kathoga previously and when it's not a cg version of the character you are seeing there's a person inside that creature um, as well as i think it's seven puppeteers and radio control people doing stuff there's a person inside it running around And they didn't really get that design right in terms of supporting the actor. And so the lead concept artist does say in this article, a guy called Mark McCreary, said, I tried to give Peter Hyams something very different, but ultimately I designed something without considering the actor inside it. It was a real lesson in how careful I had to be when I was uh, executing a design. If you're telling people to follow a drawing, that drawing had better be right. It had better work mechanically and practically. I learned a lot on The Relic. I just wish I'd learned it without people suffering. So those stump people basically came back from set each day in agony. And that's how they got this film made.
3: Okay. It has, the CGI moments, I think, are a little better than the prop moments. Do you think? Yeah, and I I, I almost hate saying that because I'd always choose a physical creature over Mm. CGI, but its most fun moments are pure CGI, like when the guys are rappelling in through the skylight, so stupid, and it just keeps leap like it's like it's got they're going fishing. It's like people keep dropping this. Yeah, bait why in. do they
5: keep dropping it in? Like the first man got screws. There's a massive monster. Oh, we won't send any more men in. Yeah,
3: <laughs> it ends with a great moment though because the final guy's like, pull me up, pull me up, and the guy keeps pulling him up, and you're like, is he going to get? Of course, he's not going to get out. <laughs> no. And then they pull half a torso up, and the guy who's his cop buddy on the roof it's just like just do another take you've only got you've only got a really lightweight prop on a bit of rope just keep going over and over there's, there's no reason to have the one take where he pulls him and goes no
5: Sort am like looks at the sky as well, like, no nah! <laughs> It's so rubbish. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it really ruins that bit. Um and
4: just to give you a bit of context, in the book, the 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 creature had a different name. It had a Native American origin, and it was much smaller and a and a lot more sympathetic in the book.
5: Was it more like the when the beetle eats the fungus egg things and it comes out of the box and Dr. Margot is there and she's an evolutionary biologist, she says, but when a completely new species comes out of the box, <laughs> she smashes it to death with a book.
4: That's an excellent point.
5: <laughs> she doesn't even blink. <laughs> Fuck it, gone. That's when you
4: know you're in the wrong job.
3: Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's about the Callisto effect. Uh, this idea that given a, a bunch of hormones, a species will evolve rapidly and uh, Dr. Frock talks about this who's uh, played by James Whitmore anyone recognise where they knew him from because it I
5: thought uh, it was um, oh he's the old block in um... yes it's, oh, <laughs> I don't know he's why I'm the... saying yes <laughs> that you're
3: halfway there he's old in this
5: is it the Shawshank Redemption Yes. oh good mm,
3: good good good, good. yeah he's Brooks because he's
5: so different mm. but I, I wasn't sure yeah, yeah yeah,
3: he's Brooks from the Shawshank Redemption and, um, and he's the one who talks about the Callisto effect and I actually looked up And the Callisto effect online. Oh, I'm genuinely interested. Yeah, okay. Is that when you start dating Harrison Ford? Hey. Oh God. Come on. (laughs) Someone's woken up. Celebratory sip of water. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know you like stuff like this, uh, V. So I that's why I looked it up. So, the Callisto effect here's what I learned about uh, the facts of the Callisto effect online. Uh, there are none, it's bollocks. <laughs> I, knew, I, knew, I knew it was coming. Oh, I'm really
5: disappointed. I thought there would be something. <laughs> no, it why only why comes up
3: with stuff about the relic. They made it up. Oh, yeah. wow. Well. Because it sounds almost plausible. Yeah, because that...
5: it's such a not cool word in some, in some ways. That it must be the real thing.
3: Yeah.
4: Can we get to the
3: end? Sure. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I think we can. Have you The only people who we haven't mentioned, who I, I feel deserve a mention, a couple um, that I'm going to mention I'm saving till we do the bits. But before that, I would like to talk about the Blaisdales, um, oh, who yeah. are the grants givers, mm-hmm. the richest people in Chicago by the sounds of things. Yeah. Uh, if you are going to write super rich people mm-hmm. into your movie, when they arrive at a gala, and I handed a glass of champagne. No rich person ever goes, oh, champagne. How lovely. Like they've never seen a glass of champagne before. You're going to have to change that to like swan's blood or something. Oh, yeah. swan's blood. We only normally get these at the Illuminar time meetings. Just no. <laughs> it's a really good point. Good point. <laughs> Apart from that, I think we can do the bitch well no, no I mean I was going to jump
4: to the end uh, they defeat it by it gets molten fire
5: on it so get some fire on it she hides
4: just after it licks her
5: she seals herself into a tank of what we've been told is rhinoceros soup which yeah. I think is a very bold move and when she jumped in I was like I must have missed a scene where they're like oh there's like a dead like a, a anti-lock thing you can open it from the inside to prevent industrial accidents no she, but she can't
3: she can't so no. she's like fuck it I'll she's, take my chances in this soup yeah Right, But, I mean, you must have known that was coming because during the first meeting between Tom Sizemore and Penelope Ann Miller, uh, they do a a chat about the museum and she literally walks him through four different sets for no (laughs) other reason reason. than basically going, and here we have a set which I think would be great for a fiery finale to a monster movie. Yeah, he says, um,
5: this doesn't look like the sort of place you should light a match or something (laughs) like (laughs) that. That's the exact line,
3: yeah. (laughs) But I don't know how you felt about that
4: ending, but I felt like... It was an unearned, 110-minute-long film,
3: and therefore I'd completely lost interest when... Yeah. And they cut some bits out. Like the Blaisdales, you never see them actually die because they remain in the foyer, and when the Cthogra attacks, you see them clutching each other. I thought and... she goes under. She? No, I thought that. You mean in the tunnel? Yeah. No, because she's got a cane, so yeah. she can't even walk, oh, so yeah. she doesn't go with that party. See,
5: rich people, they all look the same, don't they? That's the
3: problem. <laughs> um But she and her husband, uh, there was a deleted scene where the Cathoga follows them and they run through a lab and then it catches them and attacks them. Mm -hmm. And later on, Penelope Ann Miller trips over their bodies, which had been eaten by those bugs that devour flesh off bones earlier. Oh, yeah. Um, apparently it was too gruesome for okay. audiences I and don't... no
5: one could bear any more of her doing that bad scream <laughs> the bit where she walks into the bathroom when Freddy the security guard and no one's put across any crime scene tape or anything and she's just walked through a crime scene which is apparently
3: not good for forensics I actually wrote down one of her characters traits is walking <laughs> into <laughs> crime <laughs> yes. scenes where bodies have been mutilated and then screaming yeah. her head off she does it more than once like, yeah. and, and, like out of the Dr. Frock when he's been got yeah. she's like she pops up and goes oh, Oh my god!
5: Yeah. Again? Oh, is that the bit? Then she takes her high heels off because she's like, "Fuck yeah. this monster!
3: <laughs> I'm gonna run." I mean, some characters. I mean, if they, if it wasn't so. You've got to give it to a movie that basically wants to give all its minor characters a little bit of story. Like yep. the cop who goes down with the dogs. Is this
5: the one that says espresso? Because no, if is...
3: I knew you'd have a problem with him, which is why when we get to the bits, yep. you're going to have a big problem with me. He actually walked me up a bit. So I said, like, he just fucking said espresso. <laughs> <laughs> it's the cop who loves his dogs so much. Oh, yeah. That when they're hunting for the dogs in the tu- uh, the monster in the tunnel, he's got his dogs, and one of them runs off ahead, mm-hmm. and then. I'm a dog owner. I only have one dog. But if something in a tunnel, like through my dog, no matter how much I love my dog, through its <laughs> mutilated carcass back at me from the darkness, I probably wouldn't go, I'm coming after you. <laughs> yeah. That was my dog. We'll see about that. And I love my dog, but I would not do that. It's bewildering that he goes, yeah, I reckon I can have that.
5: I love it. Yeah. yeah. Give it a whirl.
4: Right, the bits. <laughs> uh, Vicky, what was your favourite scene?
5: Well, it's a very boring answer, but um, I was genuinely interested in the um, exhibition about superstition and ritual. And when Edna from The Incredibles was talking about it, I was like, this is fascinating. And I wish I could have learned more. And it's, I'm not being flippant. I love a natural history museum. And I wanted to spend longer in that exhibition.
3: Alex, <laughs> what are we doing? Best scene? Or... Yeah, best scene. Sorry, best. I'm just, yeah. I, I too... Love a natural history. So we all pick that. <laughs> I do. I think. I think it's great. Uh, I love. My favourite scene is um, when the Cathoga is chasing Penelope Ann Miller, and she walks. Uh, she runs rather through a, a series of wooden doors and bothers to. <laughs> <laughs> and she's seen the beast at this point. She's seen this towering mass of muscle. And <laughs> she runs through a series of doors and opens them and then shuts them behind yeah, her. Slow it down. They're made of balsa wood and <laughs> she shuts them all. Because... And it just
5: flies through uh, them straight away. Bless
3: her optimism. But I do actually like that scene for another reason because I think it is the coolest scene in the movie when it charges to him. And B, I genuinely think Joss Whedon saw that and stole it for the Hulk scene with Black Widow on the helicarrier in the first Avengers movie. It really is very reminiscent of that. So I call I call Peter Hyams a visionary and Joss Whedon an imitator. <laughs> I'm distancing, distancing myself from that accusation. <laughs> initially, initially. <laughs> uh, I'm not really saying <laughs> mean, that. Uh, now, now you've made
4: it real, I feel like I should backtrack <laughs> rapidly. Well, I liked uh, the moment you said, Alex, when the SWAT guy gets pulled through the roof and the other guy wails because it really made me laugh. I know it's not supposed to be funny, that scene. And I also thought it was sadly ironic that that the beast um, got the wrong half of him. He ended up with his balls and he wanted
0: his brain.
3: So I thought there was some irony there as well. Well, You sound like a server at a really weird restaurant. Balls or brain? Balls or brain? Balls or brain? Um, Yeah, it's my second favourite half a body pulled uh, out of a... Uh, an area uh, in movie history the first is Lake Placid uh, where they pull half a diver onto a canoe slash rowing boat I'm not a boat (laughs) fan I don't know which it was and also we're not talking about Lake Placid shut up (laughs) you don't know it was in a canoe and a rowing boat (laughs) get out I'm no
4: expert (laughs) it's above my pay grade Uh, Alex (laughs) that's
3: not what this podcast is about I didn't come here to talk about boats Um, you you did bring it up Um, MVW Alex MVW. My MVW, Vicky touched on this earlier, are the pair of buddy cops who we first meet, again, minor characters who were given quite a lot to do. So they're hunting for the kathoga and as Vicky quite rightly points out, one of them goes, I I like espresso. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I went, oh, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but she's stewing right now. <laughs> she's stewing. Uh, but then they have this, I care about them and what happens to them more than any other character in it, because there's that lovely bit where they're meant to be guarding the gala. And so they've got dressed up in black tie. And one of them goes, um, do I look all right? And the other one goes, yeah, you look, you look really dapper tonight. And he goes, really? Cause I don't see anyone else wearing these ruffles. Yeah. And it's so nice. It's like, he's had, he's had to dress in black tie and all he had were these ruffles and he's really self-conscious and it's really sweet. And then they try the coffee at the gala. And one of them's like, really bitter this coffee yeah the coffee's terrible and then when they die both of them well one of them definitely dies i don't know what the other one just gets thrown through a glass case i was like oh i really like their story arc
5: yeah yeah i agree good answer mm. thanks vicky well i think it has to be autopsy woman um, mm. even though we spoke about her she apart from performing what sounds like an actual pulse mortem which is always interesting um she took it this whole film for me uh, from what was initially to me a very well-funded episode of Inspector Morse to an actual film because <laughs> she's very funny. You know the episode of
4: like... Silent Witness, maybe.
5: <laughs> yeah, but it looks like we... Cause Morse always starts with the sort of basically it's a well-funded like Oxford sex cult and there's someone dancing around a fire and then a don kills someone and then you get to the post mortem and then once we had her doing the post mortem, I was like, oh, we're in a we're in a film now.
4: Sorry. Well-funded Oxford sex cult. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to see that episode now. They're all like right that. I lost concentration of what you were saying.
2: <laughs> They're all
4: like that. a lot right of words that.
3: there. Well-funded <laughs> Oxford sex cult. It- Sorry, now I'm Is joining what- in. <laughs> what? What's happening? <laughs> Are we planning where we're
4: going after the
2: podcast?
4: I think we're going to write a bloody Morse episode. I don't think they make them anymore.
5: Yeah, but even, oh, sorry, even the prequels are very similar. Very similar. Right. Yeah.
4: Okay, I need to watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're all on the same page this week because you've already mentioned my MVW and it was the stunt people smashing themselves into revolving doors and throwing themselves <laughs> down stone
3: steps. I do feel we should give... Like Tom Sizemore, I, I I know you weren't a fan of his performance in this. To no. me, he I, this is why it's a shame that you know his personal life ended his acting career and everything that happened uh, off camera means that we don't see him on screen anymore. Because you know this is this was peak Tom Sizemore. This is where he really could have gone on to big things. Just before this, he was in Heat. Just after this, he was in Saving Private Ryan. Uh, the I looked through his um, IMDb because I was like, what was the last movie I saw him in? And it was actually age of two thousand and three was there, and he's not in it very much. It's where Dreamcatcher, the terrible Stephen Mm. King adaptation, where he stars alongside Morgan Freeman's eyebrows, and it's that's the last movie of of note of his. And I think he's great in this. I really like his presence on screen. Dreamcatcher is also on my long list of films I'd love us to tackle. What you want to do is worst
4: Stephen King. Adaptations, because it's a toilet monster in that. Yeah, shit weasels. <laughs> shit but weasels. they're actually called shit weasels. shit weasels.
3: Yeah, <sighs> they're called shit weasels, and Thomas Jane's in it as well. Oh, yeah. I can't and wait, da-
4: yeah. Damien Lewis as well. I think
3: yes, and he <laughs> plays this crazy character. <laughs>
4: <laughs> do you get Tom Sizemore confused with Michael Madsen?
3: Never. No, oh, I don't. do.
4: I do. No. and that's and that's why this was upsetting me when I was watching it because I get them confused around this time. To- uh, Michael Madsen was making Species. Mm. That, that looks similar to this, and it's just so much better film. Right, what would you change, Vicky?
5: I would change. Tom Sizemore is superstitious. He gives Margot his lucky bullet, even though we have established he has lots of pockets. However, the monster, who is John Whitney, who sort of recognizes her, gives her a little lick on the chest when he sees her in the corridor and she's sort mm-hmm. of like backed against the wall. So obviously, he should. I can't work this through, but you know, I wasn't paid a million dollars to write this movie, so just leave it with me somehow he should let like, lick the bullet, right? And then it saves her life. So I don't know, maybe he doesn't like the taste of metal and he just is like Bleh, and then walks off or I don't know, it explodes. But she's got the lucky bullet in her bra, it licks her bra, nothing happens. Right. So, I
3: often
4: think that your script, <laughs> your script ideas are really good, this, <laughs>
3: But every now and then, <laughs> I- he's got to lick the bullet.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Why
1: is he in her bra? Then so, what's the point?
3: Uh, mine, mine isn't a million miles away from <laughs> yours, except it makes sense. As in, that bullet fits into a gun. <laughs> oh <hell> yeah, <laughs> as oh yeah. Bullets that... classically do Chekhov's yeah. bullet, and it's the last bullet. Uh, they've got and they use oh, it, and it to goes kill. At, at his yeah. Mouth. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes that's good. It Check. is an interesting point though. Um, in a similar tone, one of the changes I'd make is um, I don't you know, I, I wanted to do an entire bit because the bit where the monster's all licky and pervy and it is pervy, it's not just licking her for the taste, it becomes a pervert monster. And I started yes. looking up when monsters become perverts <laughs> in movies, and it turns out. All the fucking time. How do you go about (laughs) looking that up? There's a. a, On the Mary Sue uh, website, uh, there's a whole. What did you point at Vicky when you said that? (laughs) Because I imagine you've heard of this website. No. Oh, okay. Well, it's a website uh, which um, you should look up, and it has a montage of the times that monsters. Are perverts in movies? Oh great, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like there's King Kong looming over Ray, yeah. and there's like the monster from the Black Lagoon swimming underneath the creature from the Black Lagoon. Like they're all basically oh, going uh, Hollow Man. Hollow, yeah, oh, that's yeah. in there. The bit where Kevin Bacon's all like, oh, look at Rona Mitra, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. We so yeah. Go on. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I try and stop monsters being perverts. is <laughs> my change.
5: Yeah. Yeah, it's just taking the piss, isn't it? Has it
3: not turned into a dog
4: by that point?
5: The monster? Is
4: that that a dog lick coming out of it?
5: What, What, in this? No, it's a lizard.
4: Sure, cool. but
3: but uh, no, I, I had lots of questions about the lick, to as be honest. A, as a dog owner, I can tell you my dog's tongue is in one solid bit of tongue. It doesn't splay in the middle into two sort of separate licky bits. Would would he ever <laughs> would he ever lick a bullet, though? <laughs> Does
5: he like the taste of metal more uh, to th-
3: the point? A, a lot like the cathoga, uh, he has a propensity for no clear reason to explode, um, which is never really explained. One of the properties of the cathoga, in all the backstories, it's never said if fire touches it, rather than just catch fire, it will explode. Explode. <laughs> yeah, <I> forgot. <laughs> it just explodes. No right. Why? Yeah, it's like it's on fire. It's on fire. Now it's exploding. It's made of petrol. <laughs> it
2: makes no sense. A
3: lot of methane in your cathoga There, that's your problem. A lot of <laughs> methane trapped in it, it will explode.
4: Uh, for me, I felt like uh, earlier on in the film, we, we disliked Doctor Greg Lee because of all this Grant nonsense. <laughs> and then he does some arsehole things to Penelope and Miller, and then maybe we kind of want him to die, see him die on screen. Um, I wanted him to die because of his acting. <laughs> that guy was effing terrible, and I, can't, I couldn't believe he was in the film, and I thought this has got
3: to be the last acting he ever did. Right. Oh, I thought you were going to say I, I believed he must have been related to someone yeah. high up at the studio. Or, or
4: maybe. He's done, every, he's done every film. He's done every TV series. I just could not believe this bloke was in an actual film.
3: And <laughs> therefore, I think we should wipe his acting career from. Do you mean as quickly as this film ends? Because hell, does this end abruptly? It's the <laughs> yeah. Monsters are directed by Peter Weir. <laughs> <laughs> not Peter Weir. <laughs> Would have been a very different. <laughs> be a <laughs> yeah. Is it not Peter Weir? <laughs> I know it's not
4: Peter Weir. That's a good place to end, though. So uh, that is uh, the. Hold up.
1: relic
3: uh, flashing forwards now uh, my math isn't great but i'm going to say years. 8 years 8 years <laughs> <laughs> yeah 8 years i don't know <laughs> i'm looking at the numbers and i still don't know 2005 6, six years house of wax oh uh, very quickly uh, before we go before we do with that i did want to mention the tagline for uh, like um this movie was uh, brilliant uh, which was one of those movies where you go why is how is that the how is that the tagline to this film and here we go uh, the next evolution in terror not bad then the tagline was what terrifies you question mark this okay. was another tagline they mm-hmm. used my final tagline brilliant a mind is a terrible thing to waste especially if you're really hungry <laughs> what the <laughs> bollocks <laughs> yeah so uh, that's that done.
5: House of Wax time, Vicky. Yay. Right, get ready. I've got a lot to say. Um, I watched House of Wax from 2005, full of lifeless dummies masquerading as real human beings, plus some figures made from wax. Am I right? <laughs> this film proves three age old maxims. A remake of a remake is never a good idea. Two peaceful or tracksuits are also never a good idea. <laughs> And no matter how much you scowl with a beer and are oh, Chad Michael Murray, it's impossible to look badass sitting in a camping chair.
3: <laughs> is that true?
5: <laughs> yeah, I've got another one. Uh, sex in a tent is not what you think unless you like having sex inside a plastic bag. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm sorry. I know my face has gone into that weird contortion. It's because I'm trying to work out what section of plastic bag would be like, and I don't know the answer. If you're into it, I'm
5: not going to shame you, but I just don't think anyone is. Also,
3: have you never been in a tent? (laughs) I've been in a tent. Well, I mean, one of those nice big tents. Yeah, I'm bet. Yeah, (laughs) little class war going on next to me. (laughs) They're
2: all wax, everyone.
3: There, you got to be careful.
2: I am being careful.
3: What's going on?
5: Okay, so this is a remake um, of a 1953 (laughs) film of the same name, which is itself a remake of a 1933 film, which was actually called You Dummy. No, I'm joking. (laughs) It wasn't. I don't know what it was called. I don't care. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now it
3: has to be called You Dummy. (laughs)
5: It was directed by help me out with his name. You.
3: Chris. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Just point at him. Have Um, you got it written down? Yeah,
5: I have, but I don't know how you pronounce it, I don't want to say it wrong. I thought you might have met him or something. Anyway, uh, he also directed Nonstop and Commuter, which I fucking love.
3: Is it Fede Alvarez? (laughs) (laughs) Fede! Fede! Fede!
5: And the writers also wrote The Conjuring, which means they do know how to write a decent horror movie. Years later. (laughs) Yeah, so they practised. I don't know. Who knows what the fuck happened here? So we open in the 70s. And you know it's the 70s because smoking and child abuse. (laughs) <laughs> um, and there's uh two boys well, I don't know they boys actually do we? two mm. children in a high chair, one of them's misbehaving and is strapped to the high chair and it's actually very upsetting um it's strapped down with uh wrist restraints and duct tape, and you get the sense that this is not a happy household
3: um as a parent, is that acceptable
5: um <laughs> no. uh, i mean if they, if they've been biting me, something oh. like that, then I
3: think those thoughts do you know what I found disconcerting and i you might i it might be just me. It, what I found weird about that is the children feel too big to still be in high chairs.
5: They are far too big to good. still be. They should be sitting at the big table.
3: Isn't that weird that that makes you feel weird? Mm. Like yeah. Like the whole thing. I think this opening, I will say, I think this opening is brilliant.
5: Yeah, it's really good. And the fact that you, it's shot from like the sort of shoulders down, mm. like you don't see anyone's head. Um. No, as a parent, you can't do that to your children. Also, as a parent of twins, you don't say one's evil and one's good. So let's just get that out of the way. Not but,
3: ever. But...
5: But if they are, but, then they are. But... Is one. <laughs> when they were born, I really had one marked out, honestly. Because one was just so fucking silent and moody. You, you don't
4: have to say if one is good and one's evil. Can you say if one's Elijah Wood and one's Macaulay Culkin?
5: <laughs> <laughs> the good son. <laughs> uh, that, yeah. That's the evil one. I can has do that.
3: Has, the, has the passage of time sort of, Alleviated your initial fears or not? Yeah, he's
5: turned out all right. Yeah, but he didn't smile for a very long time, and I thought we were in trouble.
3: <laughs> okay,
5: and I just thought, well, I'm your mum, you know. That's that's it for me.
3: And do you think that actually it was when you dropped him on his head? Oh, it
5: was that. One. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know?
3: It was that one. Was I fixed him? Maybe you did, though. Maybe, I did. Maybe if he'd been born nice, you'd have made him evolve. But you have actually evil. reversed the I power. Remember what
5: a fucking great mum I am, it turns out. Can we
4: leave the child services section on the
5: podcast? Yeah, it's not even funny because social services... Do you know what? I'm not even going to talk about it. been at the door. So then we flash forward to the uh, 2005 um, and we meet our hot teens. So they're going on a road trip. We've got Paris Hilton... Who is bad. I don't care what you say, when she's bad.
3: She's <laughs>
4: not, Alex's claim was serviceable. Yeah. No, nah. not really. Are uh, you kidding? No. no.
3: She's not as bad as you wanted her to be to write the headlines. The wax dummies yeah, yeah, yeah. give a better performance. Maybe. But
5: her character's name is Paige, which I think is because she's called Paris. And so when the director, whose name I don't know, was shouting at her, it sounded more like her name. So it she'd was, be like, oh, you're talking to me. It's Swam. Oh, thank you. I
4: did I did um, watch a few behind-the-scenes documentaries and it's Swam. Oh, it's not, it's, you, it's,
3: it's Paris.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so it's called Colette Sarah. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so then we've got Alicia Cuthbert and her definitely no sexual chemistry there with her twin brother. That's <laughs> fucked up, man. Like that, they are not brother and sister. I'm sorry. I really hope that they're not playing that like brother and sister. I would say
3: no. Yeah? Do I you
1: what? You I don't buy have, that.
3: I don't have a sister, Chris. I don't have a sister. That do you took not a moment. Think... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to figure out what you're getting at. <laughs> well, I you I mean I'm I'm comparing it to right, so, Do I have a relationship like that with my sister? I don't know. I I, I didn't have a, okay, an issue with do, their relationship. If you do have
5: relationships with girls, yeah. do you not recognise some of the patterns of behaviour? The way that Chad Michael Murray is with Alicia Cuthbert is not like he's their brother.
3: Right. I do see the thing. He does seem to really he's a bit really breathy. Do you
5: know what I mean? And he leans over it. It doesn't work on the okay. podcast, but he leans over, it. he's like, this is the plan. And it's like, okay, you're quite close to me in a sexual way.
3: He seems to, I think maybe that's born out of his problem with Wade being a little unnecessary. Like he sets Wade, her actual boyfriend, up. like he'll go, oh, Wade, do you like wax museums? And um, Wade will go, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're all right. And then he'll go, yeah, yeah, I bet you do. If you like things pretending to be other things, yeah. which is he's reaching there. I mean, yep. what what's that? That's a leap. <laughs> I mean, you've just literally, he could have said anything and you've got, you're a dick. <laughs> That's what I was getting at there. <laughs> yeah. Don't bother answering, Wade, because the answer, answer is you're a dick.
5: So we're on a road trip to some random football match and it. They haven't planned the journey very well or whatever. Why
3: did they even mention it's a it? It's so, so stupid. So much about that football match. It's, it's, they don't even even say who's playing, but they go, it's the game. The game
5: the, of the century <laughs> The or unmissable whatever. game. And then for some reason, teens of their age, living in the time that they do, are like, shall we just camp by the side of the road? Um, illegally, I assume, and with no thought to safety. So they do do some illegal camping. Um, and then... A, <laughs> I can't say it. Then... A bad smell rolls in. <laughs> and it's so weird. And the trees are shaking because they fucking stink. It's just
3: everywhere. It's, it's very much like The Happening where the yeah. trees uh, the trees go, ooh, we're evil.
5: Yeah. And then um, I forgot on the, the... Is he called Brad Paris Hilton's boyfriend? Blake. Blake, sorry. Um, says, let you know, like kind of like, let's get this party. Let's ignore the smell. Let's get this party started. Then follows the world's lamest party montage I've ever seen in my life. They're like... Four cans of beer. Let's get wasted. If
3: um, if not even setting it to the prodigy can save your party <laughs> montage, then you're screwed.
5: It's so so rubbish. It's such a rubbish, rubbish party. Yep. And then at some point a truck rolls up and is the person behind the truck is clearly watching them and he won't he or she won't respond. And Chad Michael Murray's character who's called Nick, he's a he's a good he's got a good arm, he's a good shot at football, and he chucks a something yep. at the truck. And it which puts the light out is
4: actually a good shot.
5: Oh yeah, to be fair to him, it's a very uh, difficult spot to reach.
4: Ru- it was a rubber bottle
3: he threw made to look like a glass ball. Oh was it really? Yeah. Okay, I think that is literally the worst bit of trivia you've ever said on the <laughs> yeah. show, but God bless you for knowing it. Yeah, be- that's really nice. Because there is an hour
4: and 45 minute documentary <laughs> um it's on, on, on YouTube, and it was based on Paris Hilton's This Simple Life. They called it This Movie Life, and MTV did like these 25-minute episodes of, of the whole shoot, and okay. I tried to
3: watch it. No. It's hard. Not good. It's if hard. If that's the information you gleaned from it, that it's a rubber bottle made to look like a glass bottle, it's a hard pass from me.
5: But I
4: will put all one hour and 45 minutes on our Twitter channel.
5: Oh, well, yes, please. Um so the truck watches them then it backs off and then despite the fact that they live in a country with at least 100 active serial killers at any one time they're like shall we just go to sleep so, so they they go to sleep and then they wake up very late for people who have been sleeping in a tent
3: there's people there's a, the guy films them at that point though oh, yeah, because, but why? well I think it's a, it's a it's a, I think it's the director harking back to those real video nasties of the 80s where yeah. there was a lot of like looming over people, shot from the POV of the serial killer. And also, I just prefer it because the serial killer at that point, I'm guessing it's Vincent, or I could never get which twin it is, but whichever guy's holding the camera is less of a dick than the guy holding the camera for the rest of the time. In real
5: life, Because Because
3: what is it with movies where the guy holding the camcorder has to be the most annoying character. <laughs> like in so many movies, like yeah. Cloverfield, Cloverfield, the guy is so irritating in this. Yep. He's like, hey, do this. <laughs> do that. <laughs> I was like, uh, die horribly. <laughs> Thank you. Which you I have. Was, yeah.
4: I think there's also an element though, of a director making his first film and want to mix up visual styles and show how creative he can be with a teen slasher film by. Um, because also I think that the, the video camera stuff as well is is there to allude to I think uh, Paris Hilton's sex tape.
5: Yes, of course. It's pretty clear because Although they be look fair, like they're going to make a sex don't tape. You not need that because she does a lot of that later on. Like she's basically there to reenact her sex tape, yeah. but in a way that's acceptable to a censor, I suppose. Mm. Um, so yeah, they wake up at they wake up at half past two, which is actually impossible in a tent. Um, it just is. I'm sorry, but when the sun comes up, you wake up. Um, and obviously this football match was never fucking important. So whatever about that. And then Paris Hilton and Alicia Cuthbert are like, let's go find out what's making that smell, which is weird.
3: Yeah, um, it does give Paris Hilton a really good Paris Hilton line where Alicia Cuthbert goes off to look for it and Paris Hilton gets to say, oh my God, I hate you. Yeah,
5: I can't believe you're making me do this, which is equally a shit
3: line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the pit of dead wildlife that they come across, that's a good visual.
5: It is, yeah, it's gross. Um, mm. It's like a soup. Yeah. Oh, she,
4: there's she's, another soup. She's, she's head first into the carcasses, isn't she? It's yeah. brilliant. And she's
3: kind of stuck. They look quite realistic. Ridiculous. She's up to her elbows in it, sloshing about yeah. rotten meat and whatever else is decomposed in there. And Blake, Paris Hilton's boyfriend, runs up, and Alicia Cuthbert is still elbows deep in it, and he looks at Paris Hilton and goes, you're right, babe. <laughs> he <laughs> her, She's like, oh, my God, I
4: got caught. And,
3: and he gives like, her a
4: cuddle. Yo,
5: <laughs> still in the pit. Um, so at that point, we meet, uh, I'll just call him Creepy Man, because I don't know his name. Lester.
3: Lester. This is the first point we should address, where this movie is the epitome of movies, slasher movies, where you shout at the movie because everyone does the stupidest thing possible. This is the nadir of that. They do the stupidest things I've ever seen characters in a movie like this do. And this is before Cabin in the Woods came along and pointed all this out. They're idiots. Yes. He's the scariest man (laughs) who throws roadkill in a pit. And he goes, I'll give you a ride. (laughs) And they're like, cool, cool, cool. That's... Can you really? That is so nice. Thank you. And then when he gets his knife out in the truck, you're like, Yeah, duh duh Have
4: you have you seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil? Right, the Alan
3: Tudyk movie. Yeah. No.
4: Oh. He really makes me think of that where the, the, the these two rednecks seem like him and they seem like the most evil person. And actually they're the only good people in the film and all this death happens around them. And it's I felt like with him you could it could be he could have been seen the wrong way all the way through the film, and he could have been the hero at the end.
5: Yeah, I thought that was going to happen. Yeah, I it's thought a, that's a, how they were setting shame. him up. That's not what happened. No, and and
4: and the act who plays him, I think, is quite good. I think he's really
3: effective in this role. He's like he's weird, but he's almost likable. Yeah. And, well, I mean, no one's going to care if we if we jump to the end, but that big reveal at the end, the twist—if you can even call it that so lame. is where the cop goes. It turns out there weren't just two brothers. There were three. <laughs> and, and then it cuts to him just like, Hiya. Hello! <laughs> yep, I'm the third brother. Yep. That only works if he's driving the fucking ambulance. Yes! Well. Oh my
5: God, yes. It's so obvious. They'd right. be like, where I mean, do you want to go? Like, obviously! So obvious. Obviously! Right. It's, so obviously. Obvious. it's just um, sitting there.
3: I will say something about
4: the actor. He's had a really good year. He He's Charles Manson in Once Upon a Time... In America oh, in Hollywood. The yeah. guy who plays yeah, uh, oh. and he's Charles Manson in Manhunter on Netflix. He he played him twice this year. Wow. And he's also in <laughs> Don't Don't get Typecast as Charles <laughs> Manson. <laughs> <laughs> and that um Judy and Punch film I told you about. Uh oh, he plays I really Punch in that. that. Yeah, really? he's a psychotic punch in that. I really want
5: to see that. Yeah.
4: So mm. this was his first American film.
3: He's, he's an Aussie. He's really good in it. Um oh, is that right? Because they've shot this in Australia, which is probably why. Um he's good in this. But I mean, like, I don't think the script does him any favors because I know he's a redneck and I know we're supposed to, uh, like, uh, Alicia Cuthbert is meant to be attractive, but he does act as though he has never seen a woman before. (laughs) Like any woman. Like she, like, he's like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'll give you a ride. Look at her. Look at her. It's so too much. Sorry. I was just doing this slurping. I could see you being (laughs) disconcerted by that noise. And I apologize.
5: So Charles Manson gives them a lift (laughs) to town. They get freaked out by him and they're like, we'll walk the rest of the way. Thank you, sir. And they walk for approximately three seconds and then end up in the town of Ambrose, Mm. which appears to be deserted. Um, And they need to find a fan belt for, I've already forgotten his name.
3: Vincent. No. Oh, Thingy's Chad. Thingy's car. No.
5: Thingy. Yeah, it it's her the... boyfriend. Wait. Oh, wait. wait. I didn't write
4: down anyone's name for this film. They I couldn't They need to find a be fan bothered. belt
5: for
3: the <laughs> car. Paris Hilton <laughs> and a <laughs> bunch of other people. It's so so... Chad. I was like, Chad, Wade, it's one of those. There's a yeah. D in it and it's American. Yeah.
5: <laughs> um, they've been told to find Bart. He can get them a fan belt. They're walking through this creepy town and Wade says to... They have a little bit of an argument because she's oh, but offended... they sort them. it
3: out really quickly. They have a little... Oh, I thought you meant Wade and Alicia Cuthbert. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Because he leers over Alicia Cuthbert. Yeah. He's like, oh, your fan club's turned up. that's apparently
5: her fault, Dick. Right. Whatever. Um... And so they burst in on a funeral to try and find Bo. And Bo comes out and is like, what the fuck are you doing? This is a funeral. It's really disrespectful. And I'm like, shit, yeah. But listen, have you got a fan belt? <laughs> 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 like, really sorry about that. Still do need a fan belt though, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> problem for us. Um, he's like, yeah, I've got it. I've got it in the house. I'll meet you after the funeral. And at this point, we finally, finally, having seen it twice already... We finally get to go inside the House of Wax. But
3: what we also get is a—it's—it's it's really good because at the mo— at this point, Wade is a bit of a blank canvas uh, sure. in terms of what kind of person he is. What are his likes? Mm. What are his dislikes? And what we find out is Wade really loves wax museums. Yeah. When he goes into that wax museum, he cannot believe he's like everything's wax. The floors wax. <laughs> uh, this is wax over here. Alicia, come over here. Look at this. It's wax. He loses his mind. And then, because apparently he's also an idiot, goes, it burns as well if I, me- I can melt yeah. this wax. And starts, he loves the museum so much he wants to melt stuff in yeah. it.
5: He doesn't seem to know what wax does, even though he loves, can't walk past the wax museum <laughs> <laughs> without going inside. Oh, and also, I get a bit mixed up now in the order of this extremely long film. At what point do we see the tits of wax? Because there are <laughs> boobs of wax and it's a very long lingering shot of... That's at the
3: very start, I think. Is it? no. Yes. Oh, isn't it the mum who's making the wax boobs early on?
5: No, I don't think it is. I think it's what the evil twin.
3: No, that's not the evil twin. The good twin is actually the sculptor. The good, oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Anyway, so but again, talking about convoluted movies, it, the swapping of the twins over and over, like who's good and who's evil, is just like right. Okay. So okay, because they're both kind, kind of, of evil. Bad. Yep.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we meet Bo properly. Excuse me, and he uh, obliges with a big exposition dump for us, which I'll just rattle through because it doesn't matter. Uh, Trudy, the woman of the town, she was a wax master of some sort and made (laughs) a lot of wax dummies. And Trudy and her doctor husband, they had two boys, uh, but Trudy got a cyst that just ate up her brain and she went mad and the doctor killed himself and then the two boys had to be taken into care. And it was very sad.
3: And that is... Actually, I thought that was a ruse by him to make... But that's true, yeah, isn't it? That's yeah. actually what happened. And then the twins will have to fend for themselves and the evil one made the good one evil. Yes. Right. Yes, Makes this sense. is correct. Cool.
5: Um, in between all this, there's some fucking Lord of Cobblers nonsense about going to a football match. The other teenagers... And then they get stuck in bad traffic and just sack it off and turn There's around.
3: A, there is a whole scene in a traffic jam. It's so ludicrous. Yep.
5: Like, what? Why? Why have you gone to this? To, I don't even know what it is. Why, why are we go in traffic? to come
3: back? You, there were a million yeah, a other million plot other devices yeah. to keep them separate for a moment. Yes,
5: um, and then, but things are starting to ramp up a little bit because we've got the fan belt stuff. We're inside Victor, Victor, fuck's sake, Vincent's house. Mm. Vincent and Bart the evil person's house. Yep. And Wade, the stupid boyfriend, he wants to piss. So he's got to go to the bathroom. Whereas you would be like, let's get the fuck out of here immediately. Can't help himself. Fucking touches everything. Because
3: a bit more. No, i call it what it is. It's character development for, oh, sorry. for old Wade. What he's, he curious, loves, he's curious. What he loves as well as wax is fetuses in formaldehyde.
2: Yeah. But little... he also
3: doesn't really know how to... He's a bit like Lenny from Of Mice and Men. <laughs> he doesn't know how to show his love for something. He tries to melt the wax that he loves so much. Yeah. Here, he finds a fetus in some formaldehyde. He shakes up and down. He, he can't his, stop himself. Like a little
5: dolly. He's like a
3: dog with a bone.
5: <laughs> it's so weird. So then, rightfully, uh, he walks into a room that seems to be very much a homemade operating theatre. That's a red flag. You should leave. No one needs a homemade operating theatre. But he doesn't. He's just like, what's this? And then he gets his Achilles tendon snipped.
3: And that is the first good moment yeah. in this film.
5: Yeah, it's actually very nine 49
3: minutes. <laughs> I watch this guy. Please, something bloody good happen. And I remember seeing it in Hostel. And it was awful in Hostel. And this Hostel came out the same year as this, interestingly. But this is where this film only works for me when it goes all out on the horrible gore. Yes, I am the grotesque. I I went and
4: stayed with the director of Hostel while he was making it. And Howard Berger. Yeah. Howard Berger, who does the the gore effects on a lot of big movies, was there and showed me round his his room of gore and he had there I didn't know this scene was in the film, but he had the bottom of a leg and he showed me where you could sever it and, and it would fold forward like it does in Hostel. And I nearly vomited in his little caravan. It was, And I've, I've seen Hostel three times now. I've never seen that scene. I've always had to shut my eyes because I've seen this prop and it just... That's uh, always been my thing, Achilles. And ironically, after that, um, both my Achilles are screwed now. So I wonder if they knew somehow that oh this was God. all coming. Did how they experiment on you? Protecting me.
3: And how, to I can't go, run. Two... Nice excuse. Uh, um, firstly, um, how did your Achilles get screwed? Oh, just through repro-
4: it's a very boring thing of just walking on them badly for too long. And, and oh, really?
3: Uh, kind of. Yeah. Okay. And second thing, then, when you saw the Achilles scene in this movie, how did you feel? Uh pissed off because with <laughs> Hustle,
4: I could prepare myself and shut my eyes. This one, I watched the whole thing. I was like, oh no, I've seen one. <laughs> um, because there's a few there, sympathy for Mr. Vengeance has one that really upset me. Okay. Um yeah, that's my that's probably my
3: biggest fear in Sh- films Because is... we were talking about this the other week. So mine's mine's uh, teeth being smashed out with a hammer. Yep. Um fingernails being ripped off. And yours is the Achilles tendon Victoria.
5: Eyes. Can't eyes. Oh, I just can't deal with it. Do you remember that T V series? It was called Utopia? Yeah, there yeah. There was a torture scene with eyes and he has his eyes propped open. And he just, well, he just takes the torture band whose name I can't remember, like
3: Clockwork Orange.
5: Yeah, but it's worse. Clockwork Orange. I can't. I don't mind that scene so much because all he's doing is being forced to look. Mm. But in this, he takes he he takes like sandpaper to his eyes, or he pours like all these chilies. It's really, really, really horrible. It's really horrible.
3: Sandpaper to the eyes sounds awful. <laughs> I can't help saying it with a grin on my face because it's not teeth or fingernails. So I'm cool <laughs> with it. Right. I'm like,
5: I would Absolutely like to see fine. that. That's... I watched that years ago, and I can't get it out of my head. It's really, really upsetting.
4: But th- this film, like Hostel, as well, then sort of a, the, the same part of this same sequence is a bloke strapped to a chair, basically being tortured. Yeah. And having spoken to Eli, and I think a bit a lot more thought went into Hostel and the politics of Hostel and and, and the analogies there. Um, he was saying that that was because that was the time well this was he told me at the time we were suddenly seeing these ISIS videos of people being strapped to chairs and being oh, decapitated okay. this is what America was frightened of at this point and so it, it oh, got it got pulled into horror films in a Surely very specific this, way
3: this predates ISIS was it not
4: well whoever sorry whoever was yeah, the, the, the post 9-11 yeah. you know whatever was happening there so it's uh-huh. interesting to see it um, in this film as well in the same year is
5: it wrong that when Wade gets a full face wax I was like mm, I'd pay good money for that
3: <laughs> 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 it's everything though it's, I, mean, I mean not
5: my eyebrows but basically yeah. if you could just isolate the eyebrows yeah I'd give you a 10 in the solution da- market for that no I problem. write down
4: it gets waxed but not in a sexy way <laughs> <laughs> do you
5: think <laughs> getting waxed is sexy have yeah, you got any idea what
0: it's like <laughs>
3: I've been waxed have you, you? whereabouts yeah. back no, I meant whereabouts and geographically. <laughs> Thailand. <laughs> okay. Thailand.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, Bali or
3: Bali. Was, was it as a much surprise to you? <laughs> as, as I thought I was here for something else. <laughs> they are. Uh, it said massage on the outside.
4: They laughed when they saw my back. Um,
3: so why did you get your back waxed in Thailand?
4: Because it... I was on holiday and I wanted to have <laughs> no hair on my back. Okay. I didn't want to look like a monkey. <laughs> I like how hairy you are. Yeah.
3: You should own that shit, man. These these people
4: laughed when they saw my back.
3: <laughs> well, they're not a very hairy And I think they asked for
5: more money. <laughs>
4: God, this is an so, old dayer
3: That's so
5: embarrassing.
4: This, they didn't really, I'm thinking. Of...
3: <laughs>
5: so anyway. Wait, hang
3: on. There is a great... The movie does have one really, really nice cut in it where camera guy and dickhead brother are in the car and Dick and Brother's like, I, you know, Wade's actually all right. And the mm. other guy goes, yeah, I kind of like Wade too. Yeah, and cut then too. cut to him unconscious being dragged down a corridor yeah. about to be tortured to yeah. death. That's a nice little cut.
5: Yeah. Um. So just to like really sort of race through the plot. Yeah, um... can we? Uh,
3: <laughs> I mean, we are going through it with a phone tooth comb. I'm quite surprised at <laughs> the moment. I feel like I'm watching House of Wax again, but it's the audio book. Feel like we could have started
4: when they got to the house, <laughs> yes, as this film all. should have started.
5: Um, Alicia Cuthbert realizes something's wrong. There's a bit of a scuffle with Bob, the evil man. She runs into the church to find the mourners, but oh fucking hell, they're made of wax! And it seems like it's the whole town is rigged, and the whole town is like a theme park. Yeah, uh, and that's obviously a little bit terrifying. So we need her brother, slash definitely not her boyfriend, to come and get her. She ends up with her lips super glued together, which is very nasty. Mm. Then we cut it's away effective. to some tent sex B plot thing where Paris Hilton does a nasty tracksuit strip. Well, mm. um, well, you're saying
3: that, I mean, this is
5: nothing wrong with the strip.
3: It's thi- the tracksuit. This is what a lot of the people sitting in the cinemas around the world sure. paid to see it was this moment it's like it oh, takes right. up about
5: 5 minutes which is disproportionate
3: yeah yeah and it's actually a, a shame because it the movie was just getting good and yeah. then we have this obligatory <laughs> this scene sex in it
5: tent thing. Yeah. um and her boyfriend i've already forgotten his name Blake. Blake Don't worry, but please don't
3: worry about the names. (laughs) No one listening cares about the names. Oh,
5: and then there's that fucking thing where she's like, I need to tell you I might be pregnant, but never gets to say it, and that never fucking goes anywhere. It's weird, isn't it? I don't
3: know whether that is just there to make the death seem nastier because two people may, not definitely, but might be being killed when Paris Hilton carks it. And also, how hard do you have to throw a metal pipe (laughs) to pierce someone's skull? (laughs)
5: It's wicked. I don't know,
3: but I watched it quite a few times. It's weirdly satisfying.
5: <laughs> That's such the wrong thing to say. It really is.
4: I mean, Have you ever met Paris Hilton?
5: You're making it worse now. <laughs> <laughs> Double down. Don't do that.
3: <laughs> Apparently, she's actually nothing like the so, simple life I'm, character. I'm sure and she's lovely. I've heard that exact thing. She that is, she's much she...
4: smarter and funnier than than yeah. some...
3: Act. Weirdly, last week there was an article in Cosmopolitan all about her, which I uh, read. She's a, a savvy businesswoman and she doing sure very is. well. <laughs> she's um, that party girl thing that's behind her now. Um, God. So then, what happens? She's in the, she's in the new Terrence Malick movie. She's no, shut up. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Anyway, Brad's Blake, he gets killed because he's listening to some music for his sex with his girlfriend, but the music house outside of the tent for some reason, and then he has to turn it off. I,
3: I, I'm going to stop you, Vicky. I feel we may be going into two. If you just described where the stereo is in relation to the tent... This might be too much detail.
5: <laughs> anyway. she bought 20
3: pages with her this week.
5: Anyway. Basically. Were the you worried
3: we wouldn't have enough to talk about because this movie's kind of like a bit featherweight and you've gone big on plot? A little bit. You're, okay. re- you're yeah. reading the script.
5: A little bit. Um, all right. I'll Cutter, cu- I'll outside cut. tent. <laughs> Exterior. Music for some reason is outside.
3: I'd love it if the script actually went. Music for some reason, for some reason is I, I, we're not gonna define why. Who my... gives a shit at this point? I've got stuff like Snips Off Cuthbert's fingers. Yeah,
5: yeah, he snips off her finger, <sighs> that's nasty.
3: Okay, let me tell you why I think that's good, because she's had her lips super glued together yeah. at that point. Yeah. And then she's try she won't she doesn't split them open to call her brother who's above the grill at road level, she's locked in the basement. And then she reaches up to try and wiggle her finger at him. And she gets it cut off. Now, I think that's quite clever because it's only when she loses her finger that she realises, A, that ripping her lips open is going to be less painful. Mm. And B, this is a, a an all or nothing situation now. This has gone up a gear in terms of how serious the situation is. So she's willing to sacrifice ripping the skin off her lips yeah. because she's already lost a finger. I think that's quite clever.
5: Yeah. Um. Sure. Um. No. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, no, I, I just, I think if a man, super, if you like, shut, sure, I think you know you're in trouble. <laughs> like, I don't think that's how you thought.
3: <laughs> that, that episode never saw me. So, uh, Ashton, what have you done?
5: Um, so then Nick... <laughs> Am I
3: taking crazy pills? <laughs>
5: uh, Nick and Carly, the brother-sister-boyfriend combo, they're running away from the bad man, and then they end up in a cinema, Um, full of dead people, wax people, and she sits there, statue still, to sort of trick him. That would never fucking work in a million years, but whatever. Mm. And that gives Nick the chance to crossbow him through the shoulder. Yeah, Brilliant. So that downs him. Cue
3: another stupid moment where you're like, just kill him. Just kill him. Or at least, like, restrain him. And they wait for him to be unconscious, (laughs) and then they take his gun away. And throw it in the corner. About three feet away from him. They go yeah he probably won't look behind the counter (laughs) dump it there he doesn't need that dump it there brother and then kiss me I mean uh, (laughs) run with me whatever
5: (laughs) so they end up in the house we get a bit more exposition and we find out that the twin boys that were abandoned after their parents died were conjoined, conjoined? conjoined 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 twins joined at the head and that the surgeries that the their dad was fired for or struck off for was separating them. Well, have I, I, may, I might have inferred that. I don't know. But. Well he definitely <laughs> per-
4: but he performed the procedure. He yeah. he he was struck off for for performing procedures like that. So you could okay. allude
5: to that, yeah. Okay, fine. And then it, I'm just gonna wrap this up. Um cool. <laughs> uh I can't remember a lot of it because there's a lot of those brother sister, boyfriend, girlfriend moments that were very distracting. Carly, Alicia Cuthbert smashes Bull's face off, that's fine. And then there's a lot of running around in circles with Vincent. The house is now on fire. The whole house melts, which is stupid. A lot
3: was made of this climax as being a really quite spectacular moment at the time. Um, To watch it. It's very CGI heavy, yep. but it is good. And the reason the whole house melts is because it is a house of wax. Right, yeah, so... that is
4: mad, isn't it? It's a, ha- mm. it's a house of wax. Uh, it's... I couldn't
5: believe that that's what they were asking me to swallow. At that <laughs> yeah, point. I was yeah. like, are you, are you telling me the whole house is made of wax? It's <laughs> somewhat impractical. What about the summer? <laughs> Nevertheless, what, visually. Like, like, where's the plumbing? It's stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid.
3: I, I think, really, you could have just opened with it stupid. It's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> we'd be a lot closer to the end of this show
5: um, and that is the end of my review for House of Wax do you so, not like
3: the bit where there's that there's um, a, a, a symmetry shot where both the twins are holding, are each, holding each, other each other on the yeah. ground which I thought was quite nice yeah
5: yep. and when the babies you know they've got the wax babies and uh, Vincent Burst or Bo who gives a shit <laughs> burst through the door and like saws them in half. That's cool. Yeah. That was that their it, surgery? So, yeah.
4: yeah, was it quite sad at the end There, they were just two brothers looking out for each other, protecting each other and maybe mm. this operation had, had messed up their minds?
3: I haven't met your brother
4: but I think he'd, <laughs> he'd be uncomfortable with you saying that. No, I'd be the good one. Um, is But was there a suggestion? I felt like they kept alluding to the fact that Vincent was a sympathetic one, maybe.
3: Yeah. But then it just felt like it got very confused. She says to him you were fine, like, your brother has twisted your mind and created this monster out of you and he pauses and then goes, I'm too far gone. Um, But it's such a weak bit at that point because there's no way you're going to convince him. He's got, he doesn't say anything for the movie and he's got so little, like, he just walks around killing people and if someone throws a metal bar through Paris Hilton's head, it's not like you're then going to reason with them.
5: No, no. And also his wax mask thing is shit. Like, the wax mask burns off and she's like, oh, i got better look. It's like, it's fine. It's a bit of a scar, yeah. like missing eye. That, not that's deal. from
4: the uh, 53 version okay. where Vincent Price plays someone who owns a, makes these wax sculptures. He's a good man. And then someone comes in, sets fire to the place, leaves him for dead. And then he comes back mad and okay. starts doing, making wax people. But yeah, he has this mask. So I think, and he's obviously... He's called Vincent, so they're obviously doing a Vincent Price homage. But... Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. And also, as yeah. someone who's called Victoria, it <laughs> annoys me when it's like bad people begin with V because their dad was Victor and he's Vincent. It's like, take a day off, yeah? And also,
3: Vincent Price probably goes, please don't, you don't have to.
5: <laughs> I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need
3: to be remembered by this.
5: <laughs> so, yeah. Um, do you want to do the bits? Yep. Do you have anything more to say? Um, so, your best scene, Chris?
4: Um, I like the scene when, uh, about halfway through, I can't remember anyone's name, they're in the Wax Museum. Oh, I can remember someone. He thinks Wade is fine and then peels off his skin. And whilst Wade Wade is still alive and looking at him, uh, with eyes, I think there's some good eye acting in that scene.
5: Some great eye acting. He's
4: saying, what are you doing, dude? Just stop.
5: But he keeps (laughs) peeling his skin
4: off. I thought that was a very effective horror moment.
3: Um, I am... Uh, it's like countdown if you'd like to just check my working out I have
4: exactly the same moment <laughs> that, that, that looks like the scoring of John Doe from Seven so I really <laughs> don't know what
5: that says
3: <laughs> it says Wade covered in wax camera uh, no i really, no, actually that's I don't know what I've but it, it, <laughs> it, is, it is it is that moment kill kill um, yeah it's it's it, uh, Wade in, in fact every moment with Wade after he gets knocked out um, is uh, the best moments In this movie Mm. where he's stripped of his facial hair, has his Achilles tendon snipped and then is still alive while the annoying camera guy is ripping his face off Uh, the best moments in the movie. It's a glimpse into what the film could have been.
5: Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. I like. Yeah, I agree with you. all. And having just slagged it off, I did like it when that stupid house made of entirely of wax melted. Oh. It did look quite good. I like it when... This doesn't work either. They're sort of stuck in the sign on the second story yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. the wax melts and they're like, like a lift. They
3: really oh, thought that right through. Now.
5: Yeah, we're yeah. all right. That's fine. Uh, what is your MVW, Alex?
3: Uh, mine is Ambrose, uh, the town. I've got a real thing. Mm. I love dilapidated, <laughs> like... Uh, period towns that are uh, like ghost towns, but not. It reminded me, it's the only good bit uh, right up until they nuke the fridge in Indiana (laughs) Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I really like that. I think there's another bit in... The Hills Have Eyes remake, one of them, I don't know if it's one or two, but there's a deserted town with mannequins in like these sort of 50s era like towns. I think they're really, really ominous and scary. I think the set's cool. I love it.
4: Yeah, I don't know if we went into it properly, but the sugar <laughs> mill, we found out the sugar mill shut down and that basically destroyed what whatever business was coming to the city. And um, then the interstate arrived, which meant everyone bypassed the city. And so they were making a, a little comment, I think, on those transport like, links in America.
3: Like the plot of cars, but with <laughs>
4: things. <laughs> but really, also what it really reminded me of, I mean, a lot of elements of this reminded me of Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well, yeah. about what I happens d- when these people are left to their own devices when there's no business coming in. And I think just,
3: that was intentional, though, wasn't it? Was, oh, oh it yeah. hundred. I mean, back, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What's your MVW?
4: Oh, um, I talked about um, him, actually. So uh, Damon Herriman as Lester. I, I, I liked his performance. I like that character. And as we said, I think it's weird at the end. He didn't either save them or he wasn't driving the ambulance. Like, yeah. he had to be one or the other. But as Alex said, he's sitting on the side of the road laughing. And it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's a very half-hearted attempt to set up a sequel.
5: Yeah. Yes. Uh, my MVW was Bo slash Vincent. Um, not a bad looking man. Basically owns the whole town. (laughs) Um, if he wasn't just slaughtering
3: people. Are you reading his Tinder profile?
5: (laughs) (laughs) He kills people for his own amusement and that is a problem. But without that, you know, who knows? Who knows? So um, he's my MVW because I thought he was sexy. (laughs) I'm sorry I didn't. Um, He's
3: got something about him. What's What's uh, uh, Frank? Oh, my gosh. Uh, The guy who sang Liar, who plays... Oh, my God. I'm going to... Frank... Drebin. Frank? Frank Black? Is it Frank Black? He looks... No, Henry, no, not Frank. Henry Rollins. can't oh, remember yeah. Henry Rollins. Yeah, there's
5: something yeah. there. There Does is they? something there. Yeah. Uh, if you could change anything, Chris, what would you change? Um, I mean, we could have had an
4: army of wax zombies.
5: Sure. That That's, would have been something they could have chucked stu- in. As stupid as doesn't like the taste of metal in a lucky bullet. No, <laughs> right. All right, fine. Because
3: that hey, sounds exciting. Hang on. <laughs> um, if you combine the two, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I
4: didn't find this, the actual slashing in this film particularly interesting, and I thought the interesting stuff was the backstory of the brothers and the parents. So I would like to have seen more flashbacks. That 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 scene in 1974. I would like to have seen more of that. Um, rather than reading it in newspapers and people telling us, show us some of that.
3: Yeah. Oh, my other MVW is the tagline, pray, slay, display. That's excellent.
5: Rule of three. Brilliant. Mm. What would you change?
3: Uh, I would probably not have cheapened the whole thing with like selling it off the back of Paris Hilton. I don't think it's necessary... Uh, it probably put bums on seats, but the whole tent striptease is like, yawn and her running around. In her bra. I mean, no one no one sleeps in their bra, ever. And also, I don't quite understand where she is running around. I know yeah. it makes sense in terms of that's where they've hidden the cars, but how she gets to it, like, there's never an explanation of how no. close that is to where they're camping. Um, and also... I really wouldn't have left the stereo outside the tent. Ridiculous. Ridiculous
0: show.
5: <laughs> My change. All right, I'm going to redeem myself because this is a good change. Are you ready?
3: We will be the judge. Of that.
5: So, you know, when they go into the town for the first time and they see someone twitching the curtain, um, the neck curtain, and then when it's all kicking off, Carly's <sighs> yeah. like, oh, wait, there's a person here. The whole audience is going, Dummy's so fucking stupid. She's obviously made of wax. Everything's made of wax. So I would reverse that. You go up to the window. She's not made of wax. She's a real person. She's trapped. She wants to help them. They get her killed by accident. <gasps> <gasps> that's a great change. That's
3: great. Thanks. I mean, that and the stereo, and you've got a movie. You've that's, got a movie. That's
5: the thing. Yeah, that's the script polish.
3: And right the there. army of wax zombies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rule yeah. them out. Oh, yeah. And Vincent licks a bullets. <laughs>
5: That I stand by it. <laughs>
3: Have you done your change, Chris? Yeah. Okay. Great. So I said the army of that <laughs> like zombies. I can't. <laughs> we are on to, I can't believe we've managed to do an hour and a half. Uh, on I really those,
4: thought we'd do an hour this those week. Those <laughs> movies
3: that was. I genuinely, I was sixty minutes, but I really, really feel you've taken us on a journey through House of Wax, Vicky. Thank you. Um, so I'm pleased. I'm pleased we've gone deep on both of these movies. Let's do the verdict. Well. Obviously, first we're going to do the quiz that Alex has written I for haven't. us. I haven't this week. What? I'm sorry. I am so sorry. Do you I have one? Mind. I don't
4: mind. I at all. just do I was you have with, one? Just what? give me give me a bit more notice.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like the kind of thing you'd have done anyway, in case of the situation. We haven't got a quiz this week. Oh,
5: I can do a quiz for you really quickly. Yeah. I bet you can name the entire soundtrack of House of Wax.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, I can name you the song that's in the film, but isn't on the soundtrack.
3: Brilliant,
5: because
4: it's one of the things I liked, Roland by Interpol.
3: Oh really? Ah.
4: I thought, oh, that's an Interpol song I like and haven't yeah. heard.
3: Yeah, I name name the Prodigy song and album. It's Spitfire. You are it's telling lies song. to my
5: actual face. My Chemical Romance. You probably like them, don't Mary you? Marilyn Manson. Yeah, he's lying. <laughs> don't worry about it. He's lying.
3: What? Uh, yeah, no, I haven't done a quiz. This week. I really that what I said during the relic. I was trying to do uh, when monsters are perverts quiz, but the answer is <laughs> always, and that's not really a quiz. <laughs> Um, I have
4: a couple of Clash comments before Great. we do the verdict. Sure. Um, this is from uh, Philip Gawthorne and this does relate to my um, introduction this week. Apologies to Philip. Uh, he says, when the Relic came out, it really used to piss me off that entertainment journalists would ask the stars in the film if the film was aptly titled to their face, which was quite rude. This occurred on Channel 5's never popular entertainment show exclusive, and I'm still cross. <laughs>
3: Oh, have you got the one um, there? I don't have my phone with oh, well, me I'll because I'm a sorry. professional.
4: All right. Uh, and then Dylan Berry has written, um, still impressed to this very day that I managed to get my wife, who absolutely hates horror, to go watch The Relic under the impression it was an Indiana Jones-style action <laughs>
3: flick. <laughs> oh, that's good. And also, it's not really scary. So it's a win-win <laughs> for both of them. Though. Right. Now let's do the verdict.
1: You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You to.
3: want answers! I want the truth! So, who is going to start us off with the verdict this week? Do you want me to start, actually, this week? Because yeah, go for I, it. I'm pretty certain of mine, and I know you were a bit unsure when you walked in, Chris. Sure. Are you Have you? You pretty sure? Or you no, been, I'm not. No, okay, so I'm definitely 100% going for The Relic. Okay. I enjoyed it when I watched it the first time. I enjoyed it slightly less this time, but it is, to me, a fun... B-movie, monster creature feature. And I'm a big fan of Tom Sizemore in this movie. And I I like a monster running around a museum. There's a lot of little bits. Obviously, I like it because it's an amalgamation of a lot of other movies that I like more. And there's just enough of each of those movies in this to make it an enjoyable whole. House of Wax, I promise, if I watch it a third time in my life, I will not remember anything from the second time I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who would like to go next?
5: Uh, I'll go next. I thought um, I thought I was going to pick The Relic because it is marginally, fractionally a better film. But I think I would watch House of Wax again just to get annoyed and to pick up on more plot points that don't go anywhere. As a learning exercise more than anything. So I'm going to say House of Wax and I feel all right about it. Yeah.
3: Chris, I know you love it. You get the deciding vote. <laughs>
4: Well, it did seem unfair to make us watch The Relic the week after Alien. <laughs> I think that was not fair on the film itself. Um, so much of this film takes place in the dark, but where James Cameron and Ridley Scott know how to light and frame that stuff, I mean, it's not. P- Peter Himes ain't, ain't doing the business here. So. Mm. Um, and it's a bit derivative, isn't it? I felt like it's got to bring something new to the equation. It's got this museum setting, but I've seen that in a lot of horror films. This man-beast angle. It didn't really work.
3: I Could you... Sorry to interrupt you, verdict. Go I, I was trying to think... I know I'm not. That's why I apologised in advance. But I couldn't find that many horror movies set in museums. When i That's why I ended up doing this with Health of Wax. <laughs> if I could have found another one, I'd have done it.
4: Scooby-Doo, Monsters Unleashed would have been
3: an excellent choice. Again, though... A, that would have been unfair on Scooby-Doo's Monsters Unleashed. <laughs> <laughs> but on, on The Relic, right. rather, because that's a much better film. Carry on with your verdict. <laughs>
4: um, but um, because that film didn't use cynically use a reality tar- star to sell cinema tickets, I'm going to go <laughs> for The Relic. It's okay. It's okay. It's I, the right thing to do. I don't yeah. think anyone's going to be annoyed like I am. And, <laughs> and I And I had fun that night at uni watching it with my mates. Like, we had a genuinely good time, which is what a B-movie is for.
3: Yes, that's y- fair. Yep. And it kicks off. The first kill in the Relic comes, I think, at like... 14 minutes as opposed to 49 (laughs) minutes. Uh, So it really, it gets going and it doesn't start. Whereas House of Wax never starts. Uh, The Relic is the winning movie this week because I know you were on tenterhooks (laughs) listening in going, but which, which is it going to be? Who is picking our movies next week? I am. Great. I am. Are you going to get us back on track seeing as we're all in a good place picking them this week and no one's going to do anything stupid and by no one I mean me. I had something different planned for this week, but because
4: we've had two weeks in a row where it's been a group of people being bumped off one by one in quite violent ways, I'm change- I've am changed. i changed my choices for this week. So I want- I th- I thought. felt like we should go down a slightly lighter route. Okay, just tell me it's
3: not contagion and outbreak because I don't think now's the time.
5: <laughs> I saw someone watch an outbreak on the tube this morning. I was what? Like, are you mad? Like, do you want to get taken off by a SWAT team? What's wrong with people?
4: Uh... I- Alex, I'm giving you House of Wax. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, Alex, I am giving you the film Hook.
3: Holy shit, okay.
4: And Vicky, I'm giving you the film Jumanji. (laughs) Uh, Both of these films are available (laughs) on Netflix and uh, Jumanji is also uh, airing on Sky at the moment, so.
3: Oh, weirdly. You you, hate both of them. No, I'm actually interested because one of them, I already like. And the other one I'm told repeatedly I should like more than I do. Okay. And I haven't seen it I don't think ever the whole way through or at least in one sitting. I've dipped in and out because I've always got a bit bored. So I'm interested to watch it again. Mm. Okay. Good choices there. Good choices. So it's Hook versus Jumanji on next week's show. If you'd like to get in touch before then, I give out the email every week. I don't think anyone's ever emailed us, but hey, for the hell of it, it's show at clashpod. dot com. It's easier to get in touch with us on Twitter. Uh, Chris and I both uh, use the Twitter account. Okay. Uh, Vicky doesn't believe in Twitter, and every time, you like say gosh that... doesn't believe in God, <laughs> <laughs> another tweet dies. <guys>. Um... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll
4: be honest, with the email account, I, I have forgotten the password, so I've not checked it for a couple of weeks.
3: Oh, mine comes in automatically. Oh, okay. Let's talk about this later. Um, <laughs> so, the, at ClashPod is our Twitter. Uh, you can use our hashtag Clash comment to comment on any of our decisions. The Relic was the winner this week. All right, and... but
4: before we leave, can we do a quick birthday bonus? What? It is your birthday today, and I would like you to read out this card live on air.
3: Oh. Thanks very much. It is legit my birthday. (laughs) I am 32 today. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you don't
4: mind people knowing your
3: age.
5: (laughs) (laughs) That was a big
0: laugh. (laughs)
4: That's nice. Okay, and you've got to read it out verbatim in your Clashpod introduction voice. Okie dokie.
3: Welcome to the birthday card where two people with something in common exchange bits of paper to show their affection. In this year's card, 1978's Chris Tilly says many happy returns to 1979's Alex Zane. Who wins? We both do. All thanks to Clash of the Titles. Oh,
5: that was brilliant! Yay. Well thanks, done!
3: Cool, give me
2: a hug. Oh.
5: That was Uh, so
3: nice, and well read. Really Uh, good. Thank you very much. All right then, please uh, do rate and review us, subscribe to us, and we are on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back in a week doing Hook and Jumanji. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.
2: This was a Stakhanov production.